0: Hello, this is Ricky Jones with another broadcast, or podcast, rather, of From Sunday to Monday. This is the podcast from River Oaks Presbyterian Church where we try to take your questions about our sermons and uh, use those to help us, help you, uh, apply our sermons to regular life, so just to make it as clear as we can about living from... uh, Living in the week, living from Sunday to Monday, that's why we call it that. Today, uh, you'll be listening to the questions I took at the end of last week's sermon. Uh, I preached on how to grow, uh, how to become a deeper Christian, how to become a more mature Christian, uh, how to overcome sin, whatever you want to say for that kind of definition. What's the role that we play in our sanctification? That was really the subject, and I I talked uh, about how uh, we do that through cooperating with the Holy Spirit, uh, specifically about going to where the Holy Spirit is, and uh, not doing anything that offends Him, uh, so that He will not stop working in our lives. Uh, before I start playing those questions, though, I do want to just say a little bit for those who are at the sermon, uh, especially the first service. I I used an illustration uh, of of a dinner conversation and a friend of mine who got up and left in the middle of a dinner conversation rather than uh, argue about a, a point that he thought was very clear he just kind of quietly left he didn't want to cause a scene but he did uh, did not agree and did not want to be part of that conversation uh, and I said the Holy Spirit's kind of like that uh, he leaves, there are things that we do that just makes him leave and, and sometimes we wish he wouldn't leave or we, sometimes we'd rather we would, we'd never wish he would leave what we wish he would do is he would cause a big fuss, we wish he would uh, let us know that he disagrees with us and and calls us to change our minds, but he doesn't always work that way. Um, that that analogy it was just simply an analogy and that analogy rubs some people the wrong way. I, I never meant to imply that God leaves us or forsakes us. I don't mean to imply that the Holy Spirit somehow only works in good people. Uh, I'm just saying when you willfully, Sin When you willfully choose to do the things that Colossians 3 says you should give up or Ephesians 4 and 5 say you should give up, then the Holy Spirit is going to not be at work in you until you repent of those, and he will bring you to repentance eventually. Um, the way Ephesians says it, uh, I probably should have preached from that text. It was more clear. I believe Ephesians 4 says, that, uh, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, or don't do anything to quench the Spirit. That's what it says. Don't do anything to quench the Spirit. And so that, that's a, obviously a better analogy. That's the analogy of the Bible, that the Holy Spirit's a fire burning within us, sanctifying us, making us holy. And when we willfully sin, when we engage in uh, slanderous conversation or racist conversation, when we uh, allow uh, anger to foment in our hearts, then we're, we're quenching the fires of that uh, sanctifying influence. That, that's what I meant to, to be teaching. I thought it was a good illustration. Clearly, I was wrong because it caused uh, more confusion than it cleared up. So that that's all I meant. I just want to make that clear before I start. Uh, we will now, go to the questions and answers that I took. If you have any more questions, please feel free to uh, send those to uh, email your questions to info at riveroakstulsa.com. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Any advice on how to find time and enough quiet mental space to study the Bible and pray and remind yourself of truth when you have little kids? Especially when sun, Sundays are the worst when you have little kids. Especially when Sundays feel really far from restful. You know, I think that's a season, um, and, you know, that, that's a season of life you have to go through. And what I would encourage you to do is get good children's books uh, and read those to your kids so you're reading them to yourself and them at the same time. Uh, get the children's storybook Bible. It's uh, the Jesus storybook Bible. I mean, it's it's the best there is. Get the big picture story Bible. Ask Shannon or or Julie or or Jamie some good book recommendations. Our, our nursery is filled with those. And um, as you read them to your children, and as you pray uh, over them with your children, you'll be reminding yourself, and uh, and that becomes a real precious time um, for you. Uh, that's about the best you're going to be able to do. I get it. You just go through seasons where you just, you just can't. You just don't get alone. If you're awake, then the, parent, the kids want to be with you, and uh, so you're going to have to do it with them, and that, that's okay. Next, help me understand. Last week you discussed how the Holy Spirit is present oftentimes to convict us and draw us nearer to Christ, but today you said the Holy Spirit runs off when we do these things that displease. Could you clarify the relationship between these two messages? Well, yes, last week was last week's talk, <laughs> and this week is this week's talk. There are two different works of the Holy Spirit. There is this work of conviction where he comes in when you've sinned and you've done something clearly wrong. Even then, he tends to come after it's over. Does that make sense? Like you sin, you do something you shouldn't have done, Um, you drank too much, you did bad things and you said bad things while you drank too much. Holy Spirit doesn't usually show up in the bar and say, hey, stop doing that. Usually he shows up in the hangover, right? He's like, you know what? Not only do you feel bad, like you are bad. And so that, that's how I would, would explain that, that difference. And then it's being tender to him when he comes the next day. It's responding the way David responded when he didn't try to defend himself, but he simply said, you know, I've sinned against the Lord. Yes, what I did was wrong and then you begin to, to do these actions that we talked about today so that you don't do that again. So that's, that's my best answer on that one. Yeah, that one's good. How have sins of cultural programming such as greed, power, and conquest become so readily synonymous with holiness? It's a great question. I think what, what he's saying is like there are certain sins, that if you commit these sins, right, if you commit... Uh, public adultery. We're going to kick you out of the church. But if you're greedy, we'll make you an elder. Like that's kind of the the typical kind of mentality. Uh, it's true, you know. Um, and uh, that's that's something we have to fight against. And I think the reason for that is because A, there's always you know, there's always a cultural sin. Well, you'll there's never going to be a perfect culture. Um you know, in the in the the Confederate, Old South that I love and hate. Um, you know, every one of those Civil War generals were Presbyterians. <laughs> every one. And, uh, boy, that drives me crazy. Um, you know, and, and that was, it, owning slaves was an okay thing for that culture. Uh, that it was not okay with the Bible. I want to make that extremely clear. And if you're confused about that, please ask me. I'll be glad to clear that up for you. It, uh, you know, but it was okay in that culture. Being greedy is okay in our culture. We don't even have a definition for what greedy is. Uh, One of Tim Keller's favorite stories is a story from an old church in Boston that um, disciplined a man for charging 8% interest when they had decided as a church that 5% was the correct amount. And uh, he loves that story because it was a community church definition of what was greedy. Like We don't even have that. Like, really, we don't. We don't, um, you know, we don't have any definition of, like, what's too much. And if you even bring greed up at the dinner table, and I say this from, if you bring greed up as a problem in our culture, like I foolishly did once when I crazily implied that the the recession of 08 and 09 had something to do with greed, um, that was clearly wrong, you'll get just teeth marks in your backside for that foolishness, right? I mean, so you know, it, it is, there's, there's, there, I don't know how I can tell you that the, one of the reasons how is that greed and a thirst for power will keep you from other sins. Um, it's weird, but it's true, right? If you, if you want to be a Supreme Court justice, then you're going to live the life you need to live to go to Harvard and to Harvard Law School, and so you're not going to be a drunkard, and you're not going to, to be incredibly sexually immoral because that's going to get you off of your... And please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying Supreme Court justices are bad people. I'm using an example. okay? But that that desire for power will keep you from committing other sins. And I think typically greed and a thirst for power does keep us typically from committing the more lascivious sins of the flesh. And so it's kind of become synonymous with respectability. So that's that's my answer to that question. It's a good question. It's a hard one to answer. It's, it's All right, jumping right in here. Often when I just get, when I start getting consistent with disciplines like prayer and Bible reading again, I instantly expect others to be like me. I think about encouraging others, but then realize I'm barely beginning these disciplines again myself. So I don't say anything. Should I just stay quiet and focus on myself? How can we spur each other on without being terrible? That's a great question. How can we spur each other on without being terrible? You know, as I've gotten, I've always been a kind of quiet, gosh, man, that's tough. Because one of my basic questions in life, answers in life is uh, you can't answer questions that people aren't asking. So if they're not asking you how to be better, you may not want to assume that they want to know. Um, but I always think it's okay to say, you know, this has just really been a blessing to me. Uh, you know, I, I just start, hey, I just started reading my Bible again. And what do you know? It's actually been encouraging this time. Uh, you know, I don't think you have to push it that far. or kind of, you know, certainly don't want to beat anybody up. You know, you never want to say, "I think this would be good for you." You know, <laughs> I just read a passage that would be really good for you. You um, want to avoid those, but uh, you know, just try. And you're going to do it wrong, and people are going to get offended. Like, why don't you think I need a quiet time? Like, okay, I'm sorry. We're just loving each other, and we're going to, we're going to do our best. So it's a great question. I, I said. Ask that next July. I want to preach on that question. How can we spur each other on without being terrible? I want to ask that. I I want my whole sermon series to be on that. Next. That was a terrible answer. How do you focus on the Holy Spirit and not fall into covetousness when you feel like your financial and physical needs aren't being met? It's a great question. Um. Partially, let me, let me answer it this way. I don't know who asked the question and it would really help me if I knew, but that's okay. Um, I'm going to push on you a little bit when you say the words you feel like because I personally make five times more than I ever thought I would make. And I don't feel like my financial needs are being met. Uh, money's kind of like closet space. You're always going to use up every bit that you have, and you're never going to feel like you have enough. And money's like closet space. Everybody I know gets buy on what they have. So I, I do, I'm going to push on that. Like, you're probably never going to feel like your financial and phys- uh, needs are being met we all think there's this number out there that will get us to that point. That number does exist because all numbers exist, but you're never, nobody in this room is ever going to get there, okay? You're, unless you go buy a lottery ticket today and hit it on Wednesday, you're, you're never gonna, that number is way higher than you think. There was a time when I thought if I made 30000 a year, I would have all my needs met, okay? That, that number's you're never going to hit it. And so you need to, when I talk about covetousness and greed, What I'm talking about is believing that that number is going to save you. That number is not going to save you. Um, God cares about your needs. He's going to clothe you. He's going to feed you. And and, and putting your trust in Him. I mean, honestly, I I thank God for the days when I was poor. And I, I had to just beg him for things and, and got them. And um, and so he's going to take care of you. And sometimes he's going to lead you through very difficult times so that you will begin to believe that he's going to take care of you. Sometimes he's going to rob you of all your pride so that you actually have to ask somebody for help so that you can see that he's going to take care of you. But I promise you, I stand on 48 years of consistent evidence. He is going to take care of you. And you need to focus. Try. It's a war. I get it. Focus on trusting him and not the number. It's the best I got on that one. How do I start moving in the direction of holiness while trying not to fall into the old ways that lead to legalism? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. I really should have talked about that. You know, the, 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 the issue between true holiness and, and legalism is always difficult because when you look from the outside, you see two people doing the same thing, right? So y'all are all great, holy, wonderful people, and if somebody, your next-door neighbor saw you come to church today. But there are other people who went to church today who aren't great, wonderful, holy people. They're self-righteous people, and they went to church because they're legalistic. None of you, but other people. And your, their neighbors also saw them going to church today, right? Like they look the same. Uh, The difference between legalism and love is that legalism is trying to get God on your side. It's trying to twist his arm. If I read the Bible, he'll get off my back and he'll start giving me what I need and he'll start, you know, making me happy. Or it's it's, it's one of those two things. It's, he'll, you know, some people just grow up with this belief that God's ashamed of them. And if I will do this every day, he'll stop being ashamed of me. That's a terrible slavery. Other people you have this kind of secret belief that if I just do this right every day, my life's going to work out. Both of those are legalistic and and they're trying to get God on your side. The legalist does things to try to get God to like him. The Christian does things because God likes him. Right? The Christian is overwhelmed that God has been gracious to him and therefore reads the Bible because he wants to be near Jesus uh, the way my my seminary professor described it is uh, if you want to be a good husband you have to kiss your wife you have to if the only reason you kiss your wife is because you have to you got problems uh, you should kiss your wife because you love her and if you're if it feels like a job there's something wrong right so that's the way it is with with reading the Bible and prayer sometimes there's something wrong like I Why don't I want to pray? Well, because I don't believe it works. Well, that's something wrong and I got to deal with that. But uh, the difference is not the what, but it's the why. We're not doing it to get God on our side. We're doing it because he loves us and we want to be with him. That's why I try to put it in that phraseology of remembering and repenting and repeating, repeating how much he loves us. Uh, The illustration I used in first service that I should have used second service is when you've been married a long time, you're, you're, you know how hey, those of you who've been married you know, more than 20 years like me, you, you know how sometimes you feel like all we ever do is talk about the kids and money. And it's really just kind of not that fun to be around each other anymore because all we ever do is talk about the kids and money. And, and you need to date. You need to leave that conversation at home from time to time and get off by yourself and do something fun you know, One of the questions I ask couples is, what do you do for fun together? If you don't have an answer to that, get an answer to that. Uh, because in answering that question, and doing something fun together, you remember why you liked each other in the first place. You need to remember why you like each other. Um, so in the same way, you want to repeat this stuff to yourself. Remember how much God has loved you so that, so that your actions are flowing out of love and not out of obedience. And my final caveat to that, that's that whole sermon. Is you're never going to do it perfectly. I mean, at, very, at, at the very best, your, your motives are going to be mixed. It's better to do it with bad motives than not to do it at all. You know, I, I stand up here every Sunday with bad motives, really wanting y'all to like me, and I want to be famous, and I want to get rich. Those are the three reasons I go to work. Why do y'all go? I don't know. Um, but it's better to go than not to go. You know, I mean, I still got to preach. And so uh, I, I pray every Sunday. I sit over there and pray, Lord, I'm not getting up there with the right motives, but I'm going to get up there anyway. I hope you bless it. So if you sit around waiting till your motives are perfect, you're not ever going to act. And um, receive God's benediction because he's never, ever going to leave you or forsake you. And therefore, I will tell you, the Lord bless you and protect you and make his face to smile upon you and be gracious to you and turn his face toward you both now and forever. Amen.